This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined today by Adrian Martini. Welcome, Hello. Adrian. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, Adrian, uh, is it true that you have kicked off your training for the New York City Marathon? Um, yes and no. How about that? Um, <laughs> so, initially, I was planning to run the um, Old Port Half Marathon in the one true Portland, uh, Portland, Maine. Um <laughs> I was waiting for some kind of noise. Oh yeah, well, you know we yeah. well you know but we are named after Portland, Maine. Well, that is true. And so it was decided by a coin a coin toss, not a coin cost, um, right. whether we would be Portland or Boston. And I I do not remember the two gentlemen who had that. They were founding fathers right. of Portland, and they literally flipped a coin, and Portland won. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Two Bostons would be confusing. Um, <laughs> Particularly with, the, with the, that we have a marathon here. I mean, right? oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, so anyway, I was going to run the, uh, I'm sorry, the OG Portland marathon. Um, <laughs> but I have to go back down to Orlando to take care of some mom stuff because oh, yeah. that situation just continues to get, boy, I don't even want to talk about it. Um, it's intense. I'll put it that way. So uh, I was going to kick off real training after I had run this half, like count the half as a training run and then, um, go from there. Mm -hmm. But, uh, since what I'm going to do instead is run 13 miles here Mm -hmm. and then immediately get on a plane and head down to Orlando for a few days. Um, well, you maybe get to roll before, you know, do a little trigger yeah. point oh, therapy yeah. rolling yeah. beforehand because <laughs> you might seize up on the plane. Uh-huh. Well, that'd yeah. be fun. <laughs> that would make the flight extra interesting. Right. Um, no, I'll have time to kind of roll. And it's an hour's drive from my house to the airport. So uh-huh. I'll have time to kind of regroup and eat and do all kinds of stuff in the car. So, uh-huh. okay. Um, so-, so then after that, after I get back, I think it will start for real. Uh-huh. So this is kind of, it's a little, uh, little training taste uh-huh. and then, and then it'll really kick in. Cause how many uh, weeks is it until New York? Uh, I just got an email that said it's four months. So what, okay. 16 weeks? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, it might even be 70 cause we, cause we have two seven. long, well, we have three long months within there. Right. Um, in um, July, August and October. I've decided to just not think about it because Christine. <laughs> la, la, Christine, la 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 la. Yes, I think a, this is a healthy dose of denial. Uh-huh. I think it's really working out for me. Um, uh, I've outsourced that kind of thought to Christine Hinton. Um, she sends me a plan. I do what is written down. That's uh-huh. my job. Okay. So good. She says, "Run this." I say, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" Uh-huh. And then I do that, uh-huh. and then I email her and say, "That was hard." <laughs> she says yes but you're strong yes yes so well then are you though while you're by your mother's side are you getting in um much quality knitting time perhaps um i should Uh but i think this time is going to be a lot of schlepping of stuff Mm. so there might not be as much quality knitting time where essentially this is my 
going down to get her re- get her settled into an assisted living and then kind of triaging her house. So because mm. oh, it's like we're going to be selling the house. So oh, okay, um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. We eat the elephant one bite at a time. There so. you go. I like that yep. attitude. Yep. Very it's good. It's like marathon training. I was just yep. about to say. It. Yeah, it really is. It really <laughs> there's, is. There's lots of marathons and lots of elephants to eat. So. Yep. yep. One bite at a time. Um, but I do want to tell you where I'm recording this podcast from. Oh, yes. Because this is might be my favorite location so far. Uh-huh. Um, since it's summer vacation, my house currently is full of 10 to 11-year-old boys. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not quiet. So <laughs> I said, I'm out of here. Uh-huh. Um, and I am currently, my husband is the technical director for the college's theater. Uh-huh. So I'm in what's called the green room, which is a room just off of the theater proper. Uh-huh. Um, and it's literally painted green. Uh-huh. Uh, and all the furniture in here is kind of a faux leather. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this room has been nicknamed by the students the Leather Lounge. <laughs> so I am currently in the Leather Lounge recording a podcast. It's kind of a little Fifty Shades of Grayish, maybe. Yeah, with well, all... it's well, it's a brown. It's uh-huh. not like black. It's a kind of vaguely, and who knows what the students have done on this leather? I just started to think about that. <laughs> and now I'm a little grossed out. Now you're standing up. <laughs> now I'm standing up. Uh, I would do the full uh, silkwood shower after I get back home. <laughs> Call it a day. Um, but I hear that you're about to run a little bit of a race. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I and- have. Yes, your question. Yes. Uh, yes. Or- yes. So I am doing my, my 10K is this Saturday. It's in the evening, which is um, fortunate because, um, as a little side note, uh, my son John has been at a two-week um, children's theater camp. Um, just a little every morning he does it, and they're um, doing their production of Fame um, oh. on Saturday morning. And so right. I don't have to make the difficult decision of, oh, do I go to his production or do I do my race? And so I'm like, because when he said, oh, yeah, it's Saturday, I'm like, Goo! And I'm like, no, it's okay. My race is in the <laughs> evening. So, uh, so my race is at 6.15 in the evening. And um, my training has been going very well. And um, I don't know, I, I, I will say out loud that I feel to average eight minute miles for the entire 6.2 miles might be slightly overly ambitious. Oh, come on. <laughs> but um, I came up with a new mantra the other day, um, mm-hmm. which is um, unleash. Okay. And um, because um, I guess the, I'm trying to remember the workout. I remember that um, there were she um, Bree definitely has me do these shorter segments, and she wanted me at first to kind of like keep. Um, oh, I don't know. She wanted me to be doing these, you know, eight minute segments or you know do segments at eight minute miles, and then on the final one for two minutes, she said if you happen to drop under um, eight minute miles pace that's totally fine like don't worry about trying to like <laughs> slow down or anything like that right, right. so um oh, and I don't know what, what it was to go like do that that and then in the quote off times it was to only slow down a little bit and right. so I was kind of going between like rate of perceived exertion six seven and to a five and so five you know isn't that's like yeah yeah and but it also isn't like whoa okay big break oh yeah <laughs> right, so right. um so uh, I really wanted to go under eight um, minute miles for that final two minute piece. And, and, um, so I just, the word unleash came to mind and I just, and just, um, you know, really poured it all out on the road. So, so your inner tiger got to romp free. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We, you know, took the, took the leash off and, and let it, let it run. Yeah. So, um, that was, that was fun and a good workout. And 
Like, I mean, there have been times that, I mean, I just, I just kind of sometimes marvel at the science of training as I'm doing it. Right. Th- that it's like, wow, this stuff really works. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some moments where you're like, this shouldn't do this, but wow. I, I can, wow. I know because like when you look at it the night before oh there's no way I can do that there's no way no that's not gonna happen and um and then even you know you can start um in the warm-up and it's like oh yeah today's not my day it's not gonna happen happen. not gonna happen and my gosh last week I had to do this workout where I forget what I had to do but like I mean it was I remember it was it it was a 20-minute warm-up and it was literally at the end of that 20 minutes like a switch went on and Boom! I was yeah. off like a shot, and I, um, you know, I felt like, oh, okay, this is my fast pace. This is good. This is good. I looked down. I'm doing a seven minute mile. I'm like, <laughs> oh no, not that fast. This is not sustainable. <laughs> and I just thought, who am I? Who, like, you know, if you'd asked me 15 minutes before, I'd be like, nope, nope, not even gonna be yeah. able to hit eight. And there I was doing seven. So, it is, it is truly magical and wonderful. And um, I'm hoping for a Good evening, and I think the the weather has been, we've had some overcast for parts of the day, and so the weather has not, it's not gotten too hot, and um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I I think I'm really, I'm uh, excited and cautiously optimistic about what I can do, but definitely very excited to see what I can do, because I feel it's so different to unleash for a 10K versus a marathon, because, you know... (laughs) Like it's not a four plus hour slog fest. It's right. you know like oh okay you know maybe an hour yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 I mean yeah I mean I'll uh I would say I'm gonna come in between um if I'm having a my a goal is uh 50 um minutes my b goal would be I guess um 51 and a half and my c goal would be 53. Yeah. So well under an hour. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 um, yeah. So, um, yes. So I'm excited for it. And I get that lovely, um, burrito afterwards and some right. beer and, um, oh my gosh, I have to say, I went out to, um, dinner last night with the, um, mother that we carpooled with to my, um, older daughter's high, um, middle school. And we were kind of celebrating the end of the year a little belatedly. And I mm-hmm. had, um, do you know that I love, um, uh, cider, you know, um, alcoholic right. cider. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, they had an, a cider. I'm going to bring this word back an acai cider. And I, <laughs> I saw that you had tweeted that and I was like, I refuse to believe that's a thing. Yeah, I nope. just don't think that's a thing. Okay. So, so funny because, um, I think the, um, not the brand, is that what you would call it? The, the, the maker of the it. Label? But, yeah, yeah. 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 Would, yeah. It's from a tap. So it was a little hard to say, but so, so it said evolution and then it had a dot next to acai and then a dot next to cider. And, and, um, the other mother is, must be kind of a grammar geek like me because I said, Oh, do you think that's going to be an acai cider or do you think it's two separate things? She's like, well, there's right. two dots. And I thought, I thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I asked him and he goes, Oh no, it's an acai cider. He said, usually uh, the maker of it's usually a winemaker, and they decided to use acai and ferment it, and oh, like one sip. And I'm not a I'm not a frequent drinker. I don't drink very much. And within one sip, I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna need a second one of these. <laughs> <laughs> you can just keep these. Going. Right. So, yeah. have you tried um, Perry, which is pear cider? Oh, I, I drink pear cider frequently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, there was one. The one um, from was it last summer? Or the summer before. My favorite one was I think it was just last summer. It was a um, uh, ginger peach cider, mm. and oh my gosh, it tasted like fermented noon. 
and it was just delicious. <laughs> yeah, see, I like noon. <laughs> it was it was really really good. So I I guess I need you know um you have gra- any fruit will ferment. I mean you just yeah yeah yeah. So um so this was it just had a nice um, tartness. To, I really like a tart cider. I do not like right. a sweet cider. So anyway, I don't know why I mentioned that. It was just something that has, you know, been a high point in my. (laughs) (laughs) So, and you know, it's all part of staying a little hydrated, you know, so two two pints of acai cider. Um, (laughs) There was actually a thing in the New York Times not long ago about they tested the hydration factor of different liquids. And it turns out the uh, line that we've all been fed about coffee and alcohol being dehydrating really isn't true. It's oh. not dehydrating enough to offset the amount of liquid that you've just consumed. So, oh, look at there! Look so at there! So there you go. <laughs> Drop some knowledge. <laughs> oh my goodness! So well, um, today's show in this season of sweat, which I actually hear it's what is it the hottest day of the year out there so far? It's not great. I would. I don't know if it's the hottest, uh-huh. but it's certainly very hot. Okay. All right. Well, it's appropriate because um, yeah. we are going to be exploring the science of sweat why it's so stinky, why tech fabrics love to hold on to it, how to banish the smell. Um, you know, it's a little bit more of a techie of a topic than we usually delve into, but um, I think it's fascinating, and I hope you agree with that, all you listeners. We're going to be joined by two guests, but first we're going to take a quick break. Please stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Our first guest to talk sweat is Melissa Elfers, a textile scientist and fabric consultant in New Jersey, who I interviewed several years ago for a story I wrote for the New York Times about anti-stink detergents. So when I thought of an expert, Melissa, you sprang to mind. So welcome, Melissa. It's good to speak to you again. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for thinking of me. I love to talk about sweat and stink. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm kind of fascinated by this part. Um, I have never heard of a textile scientist. So what what does that mean? Do you do actual experiments on fabric and fibers? Well, yes. I've had sort of an illustrious career, uh, career looking at um, sweat or soil detergent and fabric interactions. Um, I had 22 years working in product development for a laundry detergent company. And since then, I've been working actually with a, a company that works in people's homes uh, maintaining high-end uh, furniture, um, huh. you know, fabric, and etc. So my stain removal experience actually comes in handy. <laughs> you're, a good, you're a good person to have at parties then. The red wine, right. what do we do? Oh, yeah. no, it's great cocktail uh, conversation. It really is. <laughs> do you always just say, club soda, club soda? <laughs> no, I say, don't grab the club soda. <laughs> oh, really? Well, now that we've touched on that subject, you have to tell yeah. us, how do you get red wine out of, you know, oh, waste spilled on your you couch know, or your carpet? Well, Red wine is a bleachable stain. Um, however, you can't use bleach on everything, so it's a good idea to call a professional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would blot. Blot and no rubbing. No rubbing, please. Okay, good. Blotting. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's so many jokes right there. Oh, people oh, get the stains dear. out. Well, our joke in the lab was always we can get any stain out with scissors. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so, so speaking of fibers and fabrics, um, polyester, which is what um, most workout wear is made of. And isn't that part of the reason why workout wear is so susceptible to stink is because of polyester. So, you know, kind of talk us through what happens to perspiration body oils when they hit these types of fabrics. Sure, sure. Um, so it is true that many of these kinds of high-performance fabrics are polyester, particularly top weight, um, which is what we refer to as you know the fabrics that are typically used for running tops, mm. um, running shorts too, because they don't incur a lot of abrasion. So polyester is fine for that as well. It's lightweight and it also um, transports fluids very easily, which is what it does with perspiration. Um, nylon tends to be used more for hiking gear because it's a little tougher for bottom weight fabrics. Mm -hmm. um, so concentrating on polyester, which I think you know is probably what most of the garments that you're referring to for running are polyester. Um, what's interesting about it is polyester, you know, had such a bad rap from the 70s with the whole uh, <laughs> leisure <laughs> suits, staying alive, you know, kind of leisure suits. And particularly because you had to wear a vest with them. So you had like in big lapels, <laughs> say like 18 layers of polyester on. Um, that polyester was very, very different from what we're talking about today. Um, and the growth in um, the modern polyesters, which I'm referring to as modern, really are the microfibers. Um, microfiber polyester performs way differently than those old ones back from the 70s. Um, and the reason is, is that a brilliant engineer, a textile scientist, I'd like to say, um, <laughs> or textile engineer, um, discovered that taking some of the negative attributes of polyester and turning them into a positive through engineering has actually made these fabrics high performance. So very, very different from John Travolta's white suit. Um, so yeah, so the way that they did it was if I always like to use the Play-Doh, um, you know, correlation, and that is that, you know, you're familiar with the Play-Doh spaghetti maker. Oh, your fuzzy, um, fuzzy pumper barbershop. Oh, wow. <laughs> so back in the day, polyester was extruded for some, through something similar. It was melted and then extruded through something like a shower you know, kind of like a shower head with a lot of holes. Uh -huh. And what they used to make was much like plain spaghetti. And that's what leisure suits were made of, just cylindrical, plain old spaghetti, number three or whatever. Um, so uh, that did not really have much um, performance. Or it didn't do much in the way of performance. It was kind of like wearing a plastic bag. Um, <laughs> especially <laughs> the double knit fabric that they made was very heavy as well, which didn't help. Um, so a brilliant um, engineer had um, figured out that making extruding fibers that were, you know, um, orders of magnitude thinner, uh, very, very, very fine, even finer than silk, um, and giving them an interesting shape rather than just a straight cylindrical shape like um, spaghetti would um, cause, create a lot more surface area in a yarn. So if you were to compare yarns of the same size made of these fibers, the one with microfiber has many, many, many more, um, has a lot more surface area. And interestingly, the thing that really, really gave it performance was not the fiber, but the space between the fibers. Mm. Yes, so giving it the interesting kind of lobal, they call um, shapes, of the microfiber created a lot of these little capillaries. So if you think of your old high school science class, um, if you'll remember a capillary were those thin um, glass right. tubes. And because, and if you were to touch it to the surface of water, the water would want to climb the top of the tube, mm -hmm. the walls of the tube. Well, that's essentially what's happening with microfibers. 
Um, these little fibers are packed together very tightly and they actually, it's a space in between that actually allows um, perspiration, which is mainly water, to travel through this fabric that would otherwise be waterproof. Mm. Yeah, so it's a physical phenomena. It's not because it's polyester, but the polyester is hydro hydrophobic, or yes, hydrophobic is afraid of water, mm -hmm. um, doesn't like water. It actually encourages the water to move through even more efficiently. Mm. Yeah, so it's adsorbed instead of absorbed. So water kind of tra travels through like a capillary. So um, because polyester doesn't like water, it also gives it up very readily. So it dries very, very quickly, which I'm sure you've experienced in your laundry. Mm -hmm. or, or, or when I run in Colorado, something like that. Okay. That's when yes. it actually performs as it should versus right. here in the Pacific Northwest, where it just stays damp for, you know, a day or two. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, exactly. Or so, here and, in the Northeast, yeah. yeah. In the Northeast, like today, it's horrible. Yes. Oh. Um, yeah, so anyway, so another thing that's about polyester that, you know, it had such a bad rap back in the day, not just because of its comfort properties or lack thereof, um, it also was considered sort of low-tech um, and sort of not as natural as some of the other fibers, the cellulosics like linen or cotton. Um, but what really people are starting to realize is that because of the, their ease of care and the low amount of energy required to maintain them, um, they're actually quite sustainable. Hmm. Um, yeah. you know, and, and there is some literature out there, very easy to find online, um, where, you know, the kind of... Um, uh, crib to, you know, cradle to, to the end of the cycle overall, um, because of their ease of care, they actually come out ahead of some of the natural fibers because natural fibers are very um, energy intensive to create. Oh, look at that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Plus, you can to... recycle, you can recycle, make right. them out of bottles, right? I do have to say my new favorite phrase is comfort properties. I know. <laughs> I really like that. Now. See, now use that at your next co cocktail party. I, you know, if I went to cocktail parties, I sure would. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, the coffee shop. Tell it to my kids, yes. Exactly, exactly. Your behavior is infringing on my comfort properties. <laughs> so anyway, and the other thing I just wanted to mention about the growth of polyester, because, um, again, it had such a bad rap, but it's really so much more acceptable now. Um, you know, it used to be, oh, polyester's horrible, you know, you have to wear cotton. Um, you know, nowadays it's ubiquitous. You find it everywhere, even in my favorite discount stores, which will remain unnamed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I pick up my yoga clothes for like $9.99 and it's all really great microfiber, you know, polyester, beautiful colors. It doesn't fade. They're wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, but they do have the smell issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. So I, th I think, yeah, happen? I think we're going to get yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we might. <laughs> um, so here's my question. Uh, when I pull on, like, something, a seemingly clean running t-shirt, and I have a particular purple one that this happens a lot, um, <laughs> or a sports bra, it seems free of odor. Like, it smells, like, you know, downy fresh. Mm. Um, but then about 15 minutes into a run, it's like my fresh sweat kind of you know, gives new life to that old smell. So how does that happen? Okay. Um, you know, I would say, now I'm giving my best, you know, answer uh, theoretically. Um, I would say that it's not so much your fresh sweat. That's sort of just like a byproduct. Mm -hmm. What it is, is, is your heat, your body heat. So you're so saying I'm hot. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> you're warm mm -hmm. and you're applying, uh, you know, heat 
to a situation where there may be something in those fibers that hasn't been cleaned out properly, right. um, and now you're driving off the odor. So I think that it's more probably a function of your body heat. So yes, and we notice that. My husband's a mountain biker. Mm -hmm. And it'll seem absolutely fine at first, and then, you know, pretty soon into the ride, you start to notice. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and tell us what actually does cause that smell, because that was the question that really drove me into this, was because I had heard that it was the poop of the bacteria. The little bacteria are there, and they're do they're doing their thing, and that that's what it is that makes that bad smell. Is that... Hmm. Well, you know, I'm not a biologist, but what I can um, talk about is what's remaining in the fibers. Um, I've actually seen it using a scanning electron micro uh, microscope, SEM. Mm -hmm. uh, we've act we actually, in a project that I was on some, some years ago, um, were able to actually visualize what was left in these um, fibers, you know, in these yarn bundles, mm -hmm. um, in, in garments that were supposed to be clean um, and be able to compare products actually, product effects from one to the other, so it was almost measurable. Um, so what it is, um, you know, sweat is mainly water, I would say, um, mostly water, probably um, by weight. Um, there's also a, a good deal of electrolytes, salts, you know, mm -hmm. from your body. Um, and those are easy to wash away um, because uh, salts have a very, you know, they're very compatible with water and we, we clean with water or washing machines or water, you know, we clean in water. Um, and especially with surfactant, that's something that, you know, is readily removable. Um, but what's also in your sweat are, um, you know, oily, um, it's oily matter that's referred to as sebum. Mm -hmm. um, it's created by your glands in your skin and it's sort of your natural uh, moisturizer. Um, it protects your skin, um, makes it moist. Maybe it decreases as you get older, perhaps. Um, but anyway, and, and certainly teens have more, and then, mm -hmm. then perhaps it goes down <laughs> as you get older, as you, if you're familiar with that. Yes. Um, <laughs> so anyway, what's, what happens is, especially with this polyester, now I explained that there are tiny, tiny little capillaries between these fibers, mm -hmm. um, lots and lots of surface area. And I also mentioned that polyester is hydrophobic, doesn't really like water. Hydrophobic is doesn't like water. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it's oleophilic. It absolutely loves oil um, oh. because it's, it's a petroleum-based fiber. It, it's made with petroleum, and those kinds of you know, materials like to hang out together. So their surface tension is similar, and they spread easily on one another. Um, so unlike oil and vinegar that don't mix, oil mixes well with other oils. Mm. Um, so polyester loves this um, oily sebum um, that spreads very, you know, moves with the um, perspiration, but it kind of likes to stick and hang on to the polyester as it passes through those capillaries. Mm. Um, yes. So because polyester is hydrophobic, doesn't like water, in the washing, of those fabrics, you really need to use a good surfactant for it to wet out properly. Um, so, you know, getting back to, I think you remember when we spoke, you know, 10 years ago, I said, right. you can't be, you can't be cheap with your detergent. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so I don't want to jump ahead to making recommendations, but um, uh -huh. it's not that it can't be removed. It's just that it does require some extra attention to make sure that you do remove it. Mm -hmm. So it's not soil that you see. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to your point, Adrian, you think that they're perfectly clean. They right. smell great because you, you know, took them out of the drawer and they still smell like, you know, whatever, um, your, your product. And uh, but as soon as you start wearing them, you start driving off these smelly odors mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. that you can smell, you know, as you're running. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So. And then um, why is it that things seem to that the smell really seems to multiply when if you if you know, you throw your dirty shirt or your shorts or whatever into your hamper or your gym bag or, you know, why is it that the, the smell yeah. really multiplies? Right. Well, I, um, you know, as I said, I'm not a biologist, but I do uh, believe that probably bacteria has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, what we did in some of our work in the lab is we, um, we tended, if we wanted to do work with generating odor, which we did do actually, um, a lot of those um, materials are made anaerobically, which mm -hmm. means without the presence of oxygen. Mm -hmm. um, so if you were to, say, put them away wet, maybe into a hamper, um, pile other clothes on top of them so that they're not getting a good supply of oxygen, mm -hmm. um, they're remaining wet for a long period of time, I think that those kinds of you know, offensive uh, anaerobic kind of materials multiply. Mm -hmm. um, so it does, and then on top of that, um, washing them incorrectly over and over and over again, it does tend to also build up. Mm, right. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah. So speaking of washing, how should we be washing our running clothes? Like what kind of, what temperature water, how long do we chuck them in the dryer or? Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, um, this is um, kind of a lot of what I did in our when we did laundry detergent development. Um, we kind of broke down every part of the washing process and um, and what how each part influences cleaning. And with these kinds of fabrics, you do have certain um, challenges. Um, so, in cleaning in a washing machine, um, the the kind of there are three points to kind of a triangle that you're sort of tampering with. One is how much agitation it gets. So that could, um, you know, correlate to what kind of washer it is. You know, these right. front, front load washers don't have agitators. They agitate differently. Um, where top loaders have that big chuck, chuck, chuck thing going. Mm -hmm. um, also, what else you wash them with? Chuck, chuck, chuck. Is, I was uh, going to say, is that the professional term for that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't see my hands moving either. There's a whole like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, choreography that goes with it. Um, and then the other point of a triangle would be time. So obviously how long you wash it for. And then the other point is temperature. Um, now, fabrics sometimes have limitations as to temperature. And also, um, in order to achieve Energy Star kind of uh, requirements or to be more um, environmentally conscientious, um, to use a lower temperature, you're really consuming far less energy. So the trend for washing machines and washing in general in the U.S. has been going toward lower temperatures. Um, that doesn't help us in removing the stuff from the oh. polyester. Um, so you need to compensate with the other two parts, which is agitation and time. Um, you know, these uh, front load washing machines do have a tendency to take a very long time. Right. And the reason for that is they are maintaining the, you know, wash washing um you know, how well it washes by increasing the time because that consumes less energy than using higher heat. 
um, so they meet better energy requirements that way. Um, as for increasing agitation, I would recommend, um, you know, washing all these clothes together is great because they are kind of similar weights and they don't get tangled up, etc. But putting something in that's a little bit more abrasive, like maybe, you know, a towel, um, something like that, because that, especially with a front-loading washing machine, that would give it a little bit more abrasion during the wash cycle, and it kind of beats it up a little bit more, um, and that would increase uh, the clean the cleanability of these fabrics. Um, I also would use, of course, a good dose of detergent, but I would follow your instructions. Don't overdo it, um, but really, truly use what it recommends. You're not doing yourself any favors at all by using too little. Right. So how about the dryer? Um, I, these fabrics, by nature, I mean, if you can call it that, they're you know, man-made fibers, um, they don't have any uh, tendency to hold water. Um, you know, the fiber itself has almost zero water in it, you know, if you were to look at the polymer right. that it's made of, um, unlike cotton, which is like 8% water, you know, in, in uh, standard conditions. Linen has like 12% water. Um, polyester has like zero water. And you can't even force it to take water. <laughs> so therefore, it's very, very quick to dry. So I don't think that even drying these make that big of a difference, unless it has some impact if there were like bacteria remaining, maybe the dryer kills the bacteria. I don't know about that. Um, but because by nature they hold so little water, I don't think the dry cycle, drying cycle has that much to do with it. Um, okay. Honestly, you can save the energy and probably hang them. They'll be dry in like 30 minutes. I mean, they dry right. so quickly. Usually I'm just too lazy to fish them out of the rest of the load and I just chuck <laughs> everything in the dryer and yeah, yeah. do it that yeah. way. Yeah, oh, yeah. See, oh, see, I'm I'm religious about um, fishing them out and putting them on the hanging rack. And like oh. yes, like yesterday, um, my husband put the laundry, transferred it from the washer to the dryer, and there was a pair of my Saucony Bullet Capris. When I pulled them out of the dryer, I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's pretty hard to harm these fibers um, unless it was extremely, extremely hot. Maybe when it, if it had spandex, elastane, you know, perhaps that's a little more sensitive to heat. Um, but polyester can take pretty high temperatures without, you know, any change at all. Right. So, yeah. so are there special considerations for sports bras since they sit so close to your body? Oh, oh, um, I would say with sports bras, um, I would say treat them like you do the t-shirts. Um, all of these high performance fabrics really work their best when they're against the skin. Okay. So even if you think of your ski wear, if you ski, um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, those base layers are really meant to fit you tightly because that's how it transports the liquid. It needs to make contact. So I think of a sports bra being no different from your T-shirts, but that also means you may need to buy more because I think you need to right. put them through the wash generously. You know, just do put them through the wash every time. Don't recycle those. Right. Oh, yeah. See, that's the thing I always debate about because I know it extends the... Is it true that it extends the life of a bra? Something that has like all that stretch and everything if you're not beating it up in that agitating washing machine every time and so I try to like let it draw hang dry but then I feel like that boosts the stink and so it's this whole kind of vicious cycle yeah I think that using uh for all of these fabrics I think just to be like I said if they contain other fibers um and also your care label will give you a tip on you know a hint on whether how warm you can go 
Um, giving them a quick spin in the dryer is not harmful. Um, it's just baking them for a long, long time. You know, to have them in the dryer with a load of jeans that yeah, might take yeah. 50 minutes, you know. I mean, honestly, they would dry on their own in, you know, five minutes in the dryer. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't need to put them through that torture chamber. <laughs> You can pull them out after a few turns of the dryer and hang them, and that, that was perfectly fine. Yeah. Awesome. Good, yeah. good. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Melissa. Oh, you're very welcome. It was a lot of fun. Good, good. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Now joining us is Kathy Horton, the CEO and founder of SweatX Sport Detergent. In addition to being the founding force behind SweatX, Kathy is an avid triathlete and the mother of two. Welcome, Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so let's kick things off. Can you tell us a little bit about your athletic background? How did you get into triathlon? What's your favorite distance? All of that kind of stuff. Oh, how lovely. Thank you. Oh, that's nice of you to ask. So I was a swimmer in college um, and picked up running after I had children and was traveling for my job and um, just just loved the peace of running and, and getting that time for myself, particularly early morning. And then I, I just discovered biking a few years ago. I, I just love it, and um, I love taking on the distance of biking and, mm -hmm. and doing a 50-mile bike ride. And so I just put the three together, and, and it just felt right for me. And uh, I, I did Olympic tries; those are my favorite. Right. And um, no, so that's that's generally what I'm doing most of the time is is splitting my time between uh, biking, running, and swimming. Right. Nice, nice. Right. So, in speaking of kicking things off, I hear your son is a professional soccer player. Um, so he is. So, so something tells me you've seen more than your fair share of sweaty workout clothes in your family's laundry room. You know, and my daughter's an athlete also, so most of our laundry um, actually was was and is uh, sweaty athleisure wear and sweaty <laughs> athletic wear, and it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to go near your laundry room, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to have to ask, what team does your son play for? Uh, he just had his right spot back in the U.S. He played for Cardiff City and Leeds United in England and just oh. had his right spot by D.C. United. So he's cool. a proud member of, of D.C.'s team. I, d I admit that I um, Googled, like, Horton, professional soccer player, like, and, and there yeah. there's two of them. And, um, so I, and so your son's name is Charlie, right? He's Charlie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I was like, okay, I think Charlie's him. So, um, so that, that's very exciting. You know, uh, here in Portland, Oregon soccer, professional soccer is a big sport. Oh, and Caleb Porter came from Ohio, so he's a big hero here. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. If I, maybe if I knew more about the Timbers, that might mean something <laughs> to me. I'm a mm -hmm. Port Portland Thorns fan. We have um, we go watch the women's team play. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 I love it. Yes. So, um, so tell us about the genesis of sport detergent. Like, were you just driven crazy by all that stinky workout wear in your house? Or? I was driven. I was literally driven crazy. I could, I couldn't get stains out. Um, and it started with my daughter's white riding breeches. Actually, I couldn't get the stains out of her breeches and the stench in the laundry room. And I just, I just literally had it. And. Uh, and so we, we just started working with, with chemistry, and um, we put the detergent uh, for test for two years in my son's boys' school called University School. 
and we took it through um, season after season and worked with the athletic director there who was very helpful and perfected the formulary. And, um, and it really, and it, it was just, it was as joyful as that, honestly. It was, it was using a, 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 an incubator that was a live incubator to build the <laughs> detergent and go through each sports season. So, right. um, yeah. I like the idea. It's an incubator of many sorts. So. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, can you talk us through the science behind SweatX? Um, we know that it has something to do with attacking bacteria on a nanoscale, but both Sarah and I were humanities majors, so... Um, right. Is there a way to kind of explain it to us in using very well, small words? Well, it's not. It's not. It's interesting. It's. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't really uh, um, attack anything, so to speak. But what it does is something quite graceful. I like. I like to say that the little molecule dances, and it <laughs> oh, really. I like that. It I really, like that. Yeah. Yeah, it dances a nanoscale molecule. So when we say that it's nanoscale, our cleaning molecule, something that is nanoscale is measured in nanometers. And they're 25 million nanometers in an inch. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. So when I tell you it's small, it's very small. (laughs) And the reason it works is that that little molecule dances and dislodges anything embedded in that technical fiber. Mm -hmm. It just just exfoliates technical fiber like you exfoliate your skin. There we go. And that's literally how it works. And it's what makes it so special. So those sweat beads that are housing all that nasty odor, it just goes underneath and exfoliates it out. So when you reheat your garments, unlike other detergents, when you're running in your garment and that nasty odor follows you like a skunk smell, <laughs> it actually does not, it, it, you won't smell that with our stuff. It, it, is, it is exfoliated out the sweat bead when it washes it and the odor is, is removed. So in, what is it in that sweat bead that causes the stink? Um, I like to say, I like, I like to call it a, a big rot fest. I mean, it is a <laughs> rot fest of sweat, protein, turning into acids with the bacteria from your skin. And it is just a, a complete rot fest. And if it's, if it's housed in that sweat bead, just think of that sweat bead like an incubator rotting in your clothes. And you need to get it out. It, it's like it's like it's like pulling a tooth. You know, that's that's sitting on decay. You you have to get it out. You know, you have to get that out, or it will sit and rot and smell. And that clothing, you know, you'll you'll take it out of the out of the washer after you've just washed it in another detergent, and you you put it in your drawer when it's dry, and then you you take it out of the drawer, and it it, it has this lingering odor that follows it. Mm-hmm. And then when you heat it up, it's even worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a nasty problem and um, and highly recognized. When we go into places and there are, are, are high odor sports, I mean, we make a reputation immediately. We make mothers very happy. <laughs> um, one of the things that I love is that you use, it seems like a really small amount of SweatX for mm-hmm. a huge load of laundry, mm-hmm. but it feels exactly. like that's kind of too good to be true. So how does that work? It's just highly concentrated. We mm-hmm. we don't we don't dilute uh, with with a high amount of water in our bottle. It's a highly concentrated detergent. You don't need more than the ounce for a, a single wash. I mean, if you have really really nasty stuff, you might want to add a little more. But right. most people get a get a happy laundry and 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 the, the chemical dances quite enough with one capful. Mm-hmm. And the and the more water you add, the happier the molecule is. Oh, okay. It's a happy molecule with water. So, okay. you know, the, the fact that you have put it in a big washing, washing basin and a washing machine, it's a happy molecule. 
Right. So it's hydrophilic. We were just talking about hydrophilic and hydrophobic. So. Yeah. So it, it, the, more, the more water you make, it's an aqueous-based detergent. It loves water. So it will be very happy in water. Right. Hmm. So, and before we hopped on um, to this call, you were telling us a little bit about um, a Wall Street Journal article. Could you talk to us about that? That sounded very interesting. Yeah, there's a Wall Street Journal article a couple weeks ago that then, and there's also been a lot written recently about detergents. And and really, the the one that caught everybody's eye in the press was yoga pants stink, and no, and nothing can get it clean. And so we've been 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 working to contact that writer and and get ourselves in the forefront of that. But it is the problem really is that detergents have not changed and not been redesigned and and thought about for 50 years. I mean, all the only thing that's happened is they've been packaged differently. We got rid of the powder. We put them in pods. We made them concentrates. We made them smaller bottles, bigger bottles. We we created a set of additives to make them better. But we've not done anything revolutionary Mm -hmm. and we are revolutionary and another mother runner is the founder (laughs) um and why why is that that you think it's because of you being a mother runner and so then therefore (laughs) no i'm just saying that what's joyful is i'm one of you and and i just yeah you know and i just had enough i had enough and it, it usually the the author of invention is is a pain point that is just gets so painful that somebody picks it up and says, okay, I'm going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, that's literally what happened. But you do not need a lot of detergent with us. You don't, need, you, know, you don't need a bunch of additives. You don't want to use a softener. You don't want to do anything but use a cap full of our detergent. And the more, the more and longer you use it, um, you'll go to your sheets, you'll go to your towels, then you say, why am I using anything else? And pretty soon we're, we're, we're the only thing in your laundry room. And where you had five chemicals, you now have one. Yeah, because cause, I mean, so um, I wrote about, I think you know this, Kathy, that I wrote about sport detergents for the New York Times. I used to do a bunch of gear tests for their Thursday styles before they um, re- totally revamped their Thursday style section. But so, and I had a professional triathlete, really high-end professional triathlete, t- try all these sport detergents. So, um, I, and I've written for magazines, so I have been around a lot of sport detergents. And it was just awesome. like, and I just would go into them with such, I'm, I'm an optimist. And so I'd go into each, you know, open new, new you know, each new bottle and be like, oh, this is the one that's going to work. This is the one that's going to work. And, and I'd be like, no, no, it didn't work, you know? And, and <laughs> right. because you take it, you know, you, you bring it up from the laundry room and, you know, it's like, oh yeah, it totally worked. And then, you know, 10, 15 minutes into the run, it's like, no, not again. And so, I mean, Sweatex really like, you know, I can, you know, at the end of the marathon is, you know, if I've washed my clothes in Sweatex, they don't smell, like, you know? Yeah, they really don't. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, um, really pretty amazing. So, um, so, and if you could, I know you hear a lot of, uh, you know, personal anecdotes from moms, whether they're mothers or runners or not, and you know, they have their hockey playing kids, and they're look. I know you go to a lot of lacrosse um, festivals and um, oh, yeah. tournaments and things like that. So, I mean, like, are there some stories that really stand out in your mind for like moms who are like pushed to the edge with their with their kids stink and their own. You know, it's so interesting, push to the edge and also just their degree of gratefulness. I mean, it, it, it literally sometimes brings me to tears. We, we were at the um, Under Armour All-America Lacrosse event uh, this past weekend, and I had a mother come up after using our sample in the sink. She washed her daughter's um, 
protective gear and her her shirt that had um, eye black on it. She hadn't been able to get it out. And she said, the whole sink went black. Your stuff worked. I have asthma, and it didn't hurt me at all when I breathed. She said, I put it on my daughter. It was white. It hasn't been white in three weeks. And, and, you know, you hear these these comments of people being grateful, and and you just... I just feel humbled, honestly. And and the other thing I hear a lot about are the the, the gloves. So a lot of times in hockey and lacrosse, um, people have what's called glove hand, and they can't get rid of the odor on their hands that's come from the gloves oh. and the stench living oh, in the yeah, gloves. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. And, yeah. and, and what people will typically do is they will use, you know, something harsh on the hand, uh, or shaving cream, something like that, to try and get rid of the odor. And we are known for eliminating hockey hand. We're the official de- detergent and odor spray of the North American Hockey Leagues and of U.S. lacrosse and the U.S. national teams of lacrosse. So we, we are the cleaner of the worst gear there is. And when a mother says, you know, my son puts his hands up by my face and I, I can have him put his hands by my my face again, you know, because the the smell is so offensive with this 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 hockey hand or this glove hand, that really people don't want the hands by their face. Oh no! Yeah. And that and that's that's quite sad when you have a you know, <laughs> a child that you're trying to to love. But the other story, which was quite interesting, is we had a a young girl who uh, had terrible um, just just skin irritation from her helmet playing ice hockey, and um, we had her soak her helmet and went away and came back to another uh, another um, hockey event weeks later, and she came up and it was all the irritation was gone. Mm. And she had, had just had just had terrible, dirty, filthy gear and had been trying to wash it and spray it and things that really didn't work. And so, you know, the skin, all the skin irritations really concern me. And we, you know, when you're using toxic, cleaners um you know on these things and then putting them on your skin it's just it's just not a good idea so so i gotta say then something this might be tmi but like that i'm thinking you know that for for people who are wearing you know maybe have to like moms who have to sometimes stay in their workout clothes their wet workout clothes longer than they want um Mm. you know because you know come in the door you start making lunch you know you you know Mm -hmm. you drive the kids Mm -hmm. to school whatever so it's an hour or two maybe before you get your shower if you're lucky um do you think then that the fact that we're using Sweatex then might eliminate some of that kind of, um, you know, the, oh. yeah. The, well, and also just the like, you know, that sometimes, you know, you get breakout underneath your bra straps or, you right. know, um, you know, your I shorts. would like to think that I would like to think that, um, I mean, obviously we, we can't, we can't prove or say, or, you know, say, look at the end of the day, we, we, we will clear up whatever it is. But what I can say is that, uh, we we actually do lift out those sweat beads that are housing a lot of junk in your gear. And so if you're using our gear, or using our detergent on your gear, you're generally going to find that things that irritated you are no longer irritating you. So, you know, you, you, you have to um, think about the sweat and the grime sitting in the seams of that stuff that you've kept on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, and that is, is acidic, it is full of bacteria, it is full of sweat, it is just, you know, it, it, it's just, it's terrible sitting on your skin. And then if you don't clean it out properly, mm-hmm. and you put it back on, mm-hmm. you're just, you're, you're just reapplying to that same skin area, the same infested garment. 
Right. I'm, I'm suddenly feeling. I, I like, like to think of it as an infestation. I, I'm, I, uh, I'm not much of a germ phobe, as, as people who hang around the AMR know. You know, I'll drink from a water bottle that I find on the road, say for instance. But suddenly, I feel a little bit like Howard Hughes, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I <laughs> need to get my workout clothes off the moment I'm done. I need to put my tissue boxes on my feet. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. You know, it's it's uh, interesting. I my son um, was sitting in some bicycle shorts and he. That he had biked a long way, and I noticed he had an irritation on underneath the face of the shorts. And I said, "Just go get those off. You know, go get them off, mm-hmm. because it's sitting on your skin. All that bacteria, all the sweat, all the just just sitting on the skin. And then if, imagine then washing it, and it's still in the in in the gear, and you're putting it back on. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's just not a healthy environment." Yeah. It's like you've just made it all mad now. <laughs> right. Instead of it doing that happy dance. Mess. Yeah, instead of the happy dance of the <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It's doing its little angry stuff. Instead of my happy dance, it's it's got an it's it's got an angry yeah. an angry look. Exactly. Right. right. Oh my goodness. Well great. Well thanks so much for talking with us, Kathy. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. Oh, Adrian. Uh <laughs> first of all, I gotta say I love the tissue box call. <laughs> Because I have to say, it's not really Howard Hughes I think about. It's right. it's Mr. Burns from The yes. Simpsons. <laughs> I, I trust you have seen that episode where he, I haven't. No, oh, Hughes for some reason. I they I read something somewhere. Who knows when? Uh, where he used to actually literally walk around his house with empty tissue boxes on his. Oh feet. yeah, in lieu of slippers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Totally, totally. But well, that well, was stuck in my head. Yeah, you need to uh, find. It's absolutely one of my favorite Simpsons episodes. I'll have to find out. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many of them. Right. Not pretty good. You've not seen at right. least a few. So. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, now it's time to hear from Dimity about the sweat being generated in the Train Like a Mother Club. Hello, hello, Dimity here with your Train Like a Mother Club corner. Hope your July is going well and your Fourth of July was fireworks and all that. Um, I have a lighter train like a mother club corner here. So um, we'll cut right to it. Kind of funny. It is from Jamie, who is in the heart rate marathon program. And she said, bear with me for this TMI post. But I've decided that foam rolling is like flossing, changing sheets and having sex. I know I should do it more often. I wish I did it more. And after I'm done, I think that wasn't so bad. And I usually feel better afterwards. So why is it so hard to get it done? And um, that was uproarious laughter, Facebook style, um, after that post, which is resonated with many people. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Oh, wow, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Or it was felt a lot better than I wanted it, than I expected. Okay, keeping it short and sweet today. Hope you're all running some good miles and that the heat doesn't have you too far down if you are in the Northern Hemisphere and that you're bundled up if you're in the Southern. Talk to you next week. Bippity-boppity-boo. Disney races are truly magical. Oh my goodness, I sound like a maniacal Disney <laughs> character. <laughs> all right. But but stepping up to do Goofy, which is 39.3 miles in three days, or Dopey, 48.6 miles in four days next January, is a challenge practically on par with turning mice into footmen and a pumpkin into a carriage. But like a fairy godmother, we're here to help. This week, we waved our magic wands and unveiled the Dopey and Goofy training plans in our Train Like a Mother Club. 
For Goofy, it's a 24-week program while Dopey goes through 26 weeks with support, training plans, swag, camaraderie, advice, videos, and more to make sure your Disney weekend is as sparkly as enchanting as possible. The Dopey program kicks off July 11, so hustle on over to trainlikeamother.club to register or for more details. Again, that URL is trainlikeamother.club. Many happy, sweaty miles to you. (laughs) 